BSD Talk number 222. It's Thursday, January 31st, 2013. I don't have an interview for you tonight, but I just wanted to talk about a little fun thing I've been playing with. Uh, actually, nothing unusual if you've been reading the internet, and that's something known as a Raspberry Pi. And that is a small ARM-based computer, and you know it, it generally ships, or I guess the distributions that are recommended to run on the Raspberry Pi are Linux-based. And They definitely work quite well, and um, some of the drivers for, let's say, uh, the video card and the video decoding, um, until recently, you know, you had to use the stuff that came with the the Linux kernel, but I guess those drivers, or a lot of the drivers for some of the hardware, have been released under a new BSD license. So, also, uh, at the same time, I mean, I only got this maybe, I guess, two weeks ago, and around the same time, an image became readily available. It was on the Raspberry Pi Foundation website, um, a FreeBSD, and it's sort of a current bleeding-edge version of FreeBSD. But it was actually really simple to um, essentially DD or unpack onto the SD card and fire it up, and it just worked. It was, it was great. Um, you know, to, to a certain extent, at this point, it's just another command prompt with the FreeBSD user land. Um, I guess there's some difficulty with some parts of it. So stability may not be perfect. I think the write speed to the SD card isn't as great as it might need to be. And if you were to run um, X, you're not going to get the kind of acceleration you'd like. Also, right now, there aren't packages, binary packages for it. And from what I've read, compiling things can take a really, 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 really long time. So um, at this point, definitely experimental, but I can say that the installation is really easy and it boots up and it works, which I think is great. I haven't at this point looked at whether or not the Python libraries for working with the general purpose input-output pins actually works. Uh, you know, I'd love to play with the Arduino um, IDE on this because I know that there is a port for FreeBSD, although I haven't tried it on the Raspberry Pi, so that I could use that to program the Arduino stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I'm curious to hear from any of you whether you're trying the FreeBSD on the Raspberry Pi distribution. Oh, I shouldn't really call it a distribution. I should call it a port. Sorry about that. Uh, and also, you know, to a certain extent, this is nothing that new. There have been FreeBSD ports for things like the BeagleBoard, BeagleBone, and other ARM base. I guess they call them SOC or System on a Chip systems. So, yeah, I'm curious to hear what what everyone's doing on these little devices. They're reasonably inexpensive compared to a full-blown computer, don't take up a lot of energy, and actually are surprisingly powerful and capable for the hardware that you're getting. So that's about it for me. It's the end of January. I could say I'm just sort of squeaking this one out before the end of the month. I really am trying to at least get one thing a month out there. I'd love to do it with some more frequency. But right now, between my day job that also has a lot of evening school board meetings, teaching at university, and I'm also taking some courses towards another degree, is meaning that a lot of my evenings, if I'm not in meetings or uh, in a classroom, I'm writing papers or correcting homework and stuff like that. So uh, my apologies for not having frequent episodes. 
But more should be coming, and I'm definitely going to BSDTN this year in Canada. I'm looking forward to that, and I hope to be able to collect a lot of interviews while I'm there and just say hello to everyone. So that's it. That's all we have for tonight. I hope everyone has had a wonderful January, and I'll get some good interviews for you in February. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 222. What it was, and he said, well, from looking at the numbers, you could see that what the algorithm was, was that if someone pushed an up button and there was a car below that floor moving up, it would stop there and then continue up and the reverse for down. I said, yes. And if there were two cars moving, it would be the closer one. I said, yes. He said, but if they were all in the same place, that teeny toony chip had no way of making a decision. And so they all stayed where they were. So they got nine guys, synch- synchronized their watches. One got in each car. They went to, I can't remember which, but either five, six, or seven held the door open, and then just got out. You had nine elevators at the same floor, and it didn't matter because no matter where you were to ring, it couldn't decide which one to send. (laughs) And what they had done was they had just, one guy had walked up the, well, gone up the escalators and then walked up two flights of stairs and gotten into one car, and broken the magic. Uh, But the thing is that what's horrible about it is that there's no one here, except perhaps this young person, who doesn't comprehend exactly what was going on. And it was a great example of how stupid that kind of a scheduler is. But it really gets people upset when we do that sort of thing. And... (laughs) I mean, the, the thing is, I used to come home from meetings and I would tell my wife or when she lived with us, our younger daughter, you know, I really love those guys. And the answer is, I do. And I did. And I still do. And the reason for it is because they're so smart that they break things. We all break things. There's probably no one here at some point when he was seven, eight, nine years old, that didn't take apart the toaster, the alarm clock, the radio. And then you would put it all together because you knew you could do that. And frequently, maybe all the time, you would get it back together and there would be a spring or a gear or a screw. (laughs) But the damn thing worked anyway. And your mother would never realize it. How many of you have never done something like that? (laughs) Right. No, I mean, the thing is that, incidentally, now I will go into propaganda mode for a second. This is why the DMCA and Bill C-32 here, etc., are absolute evils. The idea that you would make it illegal for tinkerers to do what they have to do to become professionals 
You can't become a professional software person, hardware hacker, what have you, have you without breaking that stuff. You have to tinker with it. I mean, it's a real compulsion. And making that illegal means that both major North American countries will take a step back in technology, it seems to me.